0: You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 28.
1: This is Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight and feel better so that you can have the life you want. This is the resource you've been looking for to guide you on the journey to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food. Here's your host, Dr. Katrina Ubel.
0: Hi everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. I am super excited to introduce Jennifer Thornton today. She is a certified Clifton Strengths coach. If you don't know what that is, you're going to find out a lot more in the interview that you're about to hear. She's been in commercial and human resources leadership for more than 20 years. She now has her own company where she coaches individuals and businesses to help them utilize their innate strengths to achieve their dreams and goals. This was such a fascinating discussion and I cannot wait for you to listen in. I'm totally obsessed with strengths right now. (laughs) All right, you guys, I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy. Hi, Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you today? I am great. I'm so excited to have you on here. As you know, I kind of stumbled upon the whole strengths thing (laughs) (laughs) a couple months ago when we were both in an online business coaching program. And that's how I found you was through that program. In that program, they recommended that we find out what our strengths are. And then I found out that you are actually a strengths coach. So when I started circling back around and looking at what my strengths were, I thought I might be interested in having somebody help me to interpret this. And I started reading more about it. And I just started thinking, oh my gosh, my listeners and clients have got to know about this. Like, how come nobody brought this to our attention? In high school, when I took that test that told me what kind of career I should have, I should have been doing this instead. (laughs) This would have been so much better. (laughs) So I'm totally excited to talk about this today, but before we really get going into the strengths, I wanted to have you start off by telling us about your background, how you discovered the strengths and who you're working with now.
1: Yeah, so I discovered strengths back in 2008. The book, Now Discover Your Strengths was very popular and it had come out. Many people were taking the survey and like many people still to this day, they take the survey and they go, oh, wow, that's a lot of fun. And they pack it away and put it in a drawer, file it away, and they don't think about it much anymore. And I did that. So fast forward a few years later, and I actually had a supervisor who was a strength-based coach, and our conversations were incredibly strength-based. When she provided feedback or coaching to me, she always talked to me about my strengths and helped me learn how to dial it up and dial it down. And, you know, through that process, I really started to fall in love with strengths and really starting to fall in love with my strengths and learning how to use those to, you know, improve not only my relationships in the workplace, but also at home and with friends and and everyone else. And so I, from there, decided to become a certified strength coach myself. And for many years, I used it in my role as a director of international HR for a large retail organization. And in an international business, we don't have a common language and we don't have a common culture. And so we use strengths to create our common culture. And it was a really, really interesting situation because then instead of someone kind of like, I don't get that, it's because they're this way or that way, we started to appreciate each other's strengths and really understood how to leverage each other. And it really broke down the barriers of cultural differences and language differences. Yes, yeah, so over time, you know, we, we built that culture. And then today I have my own practice, 304 Coaching, and I work primarily with small to medium-sized businesses to create a culture of strength in the environment to improve engagement, reduce turnover, improve customer satisfaction, and those types of things. And then I also have a lot of individual clients, and they're usually high achievers, that want to achieve even more. That they don't always know anything
0: more. about high achievers. No, uh-uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not at all. And so, you know, as we know, high achievers still want to achieve many things. And I know that you were born achiever because the assessment tells me so. Yeah. <laughs> it's in your top ten.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. That's (laughs) terrific. So most of the listeners who are listening to this are not going to know what this strengths thing is. So So give us a background as to, you know, the company that puts on the test, what the test involves, and you know, what the answers kind of mean when they get spit out.
1: Yeah. So the Clifton Strength Finder assessment, you know, it's been around for a lot of years. Don Clifton is the creator of it. He worked with Gallup, which we all know loves data. And, you know, Don Clifton had this dream that every day everyone woke up, it was going to be a positive day because they were going to be able to use their strengths and be able to emotionally let go of what their weaknesses were. And it started a real revolution. And so, you know, they based the original survey on 2 million people. But today, over 16 million people have taken the Strength Finder assessment around the world. It comes in many, many different languages. And today, you know, there's more than just one book. There's strength-based parenting, strength-based marriages, strength-based leadership, your basic 2.0. So now it's being used in a lot of different ways. And Gallup has been incredibly committed to providing learning experiences for their coaches and really pushing us to bring that message out to the world and help people really wake up every day and enjoy life and do what makes them best.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of power in this, in this test. Like there's a lot, it's not something that like, there might be a lot of error to it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's a ton
1: of data behind it, a ton of research and, you know, anyone who wants the data, the research it's out there on Gallup, they're very open with it and they do love to share it
0: so it the test takes about 20 minutes right yeah 20 to 30 Okay. And you're kind of like limited in terms of time. Like, you only get a certain amount of time to answer each question. So, when you do it, you need to be focused. Like, nobody interrupt me. In fact, when my husband was taking it, I texted him. He's like, I timed out on one of the questions because you were texting me. I was like,
1: sorry. (laughs) Sorry about that. Yeah, definitely. You want to be very focused. You want to, you know, take some good cleansing breaths before you start because, you know, like any test or assessment out there, it's only as great as the information you provide. So really making sure you're in the mindset to be honest with yourself so that you get the results that you're looking for and you're able to really leverage your strengths in multiple areas of your life.
0: Yeah. When I started reading a little more about it, one thing that really appealed to me was this idea that, you know, so often you, just the world, society, I think our culture is about figuring out what your weaknesses are and then becoming really good at them. And, you know, the kind of thought it never going to happen, right? Like you may need to become more competent at your weaknesses, depending on what your job is, right? Like if you're somebody who's not great at making conversation and you're a doctor, you might need to get a little bit better at making Making small talk with people just so that your patients feel like you can interact with them. But are you going to be the most amazing chit chatter ever? No, you know, I love the idea of like, if you're not great at public speaking, you can get to the point where you can competently speak in public, but Mm -hmm. you're never going to be this super amazing, you know, motivational speaker, like base your entire career on speaking, you know, like that's, for me, that's so liberating. Like, don't try to make yourself who you think you should be, or what you see someone else doing. Instead, figure out what you're actually best at, and then focus on figuring out how to apply that to what you're doing now. Because I think taking this test can be really helpful like when you're in high school or even if you're trying to figure out, you know, we might have some listeners who are in medical school or in residency trying to figure out what specifically they want to do in terms of their field in medicine or their specialty and I think this can be really helpful. But for those of us who are well past that, who've already made those decisions and are not going back, you know, you can still look at it like how can I craft my day, my schedule, just my career, even the way I interact maybe with the staff and everything like that to play to my strengths so that I like my job so much better ultimately, right? I mean, that's what we end up wanting to do. But then also how it plays into our personal lives as well. So how does that work in terms of, you know, figuring out... So so now you know your strengths, like now what? Like if you're somebody who finds themselves overeating or wanting to lose some weight... How do you, you take your strengths and then you know what your goals are? How do you put those together? Yeah, you
1: know, I, I love that question because it hits home for me. You know, I have a strength-based coach. I think everyone in the world should. And one of the things that I worked on a while back was really focusing on my health and putting my health as a priority. And it was difficult for me because I wanted to do other things that seemed for me at a higher level of responsibility. And so I really sat down with my coach and I looked at my strengths and said, how do I create a healthy living style system, exercise routine that fits my strengths? So I do it my way because I
0: can't do it anyone else's way. And so I I mean, if you're signing up for anyone else's plan it's their way. It's <laughs> like, their <laughs> way.
1: Absolutely. And if you found someone who's their way is perfect for you that's great but What are the odds? And so what I did is I looked at responsibility. So I have responsibility in my top strengths. And I knew if I was responsible to someone, I am not letting them down. And so every day at 530 in the morning, the alarm goes off and I go walk with my neighbor. And when the alarm goes off, what gets me out of bed is my responsibility. It's not that I'm dying to go walk in the Texas heat at 530 in the morning. (laughs) You know, it's that I committed to a very important friend of mine. And if I've committed, I'm going to show up and do it. The other thing I did is I took my learner. So if I'm getting bored with something I enjoy like yoga, then I take my learner and I go, all right, I'm getting bored. It means my learner is not getting fed. And I go to the, you know, I go to a website or a blog or or something that allows me to learn something new about yoga. And that gets my brain going and my excitement going. And then I'm like, oh, oh, I can't wait to go to yoga again because my learner is getting excited. And, and I totally
0: identify with that because learner yeah. is number two for me. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I never really put two and two together. Mm-hmm. You know, with the idea that yeah, I like to like what I do is I get really excited about something and then I kind of, you know, burn out on it and then on to the mm-hmm. next thing versus going, no, I would like to do this and I would like to stay interested and focused on this. The way I should do that then, I'm learning from you, is <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Keep learning about that, and Absolutely. yeah, that's so cool.
1: yeah. And you and I both have input, and input people love to collect information. And so, one of the things I do is I have a Pinterest account, and as I find things that are interesting about running or yoga, I start clipping them. And I know that when I start to do that again, my strengths are getting fed, and I'm excited about getting up out there and managing my health my way.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Let's talk a little bit about competition too, since competition is one of okay. the strengths. How would you, if somebody had competition high in their strengths? Yeah, how would you recommend they apply that?
1: So you know, people with competition, you know, obviously they love the thrill of the victory, but they do have to decide how does that show up for them. It's very important in strengths to decide that first. So if that is a competition where you really enjoy as an individual that you like to win as an individual, be 100% responsible for your own, you know, victory, then using your competition, maybe get on an app and compete against other people on an app or find a way to really measure yourself against others. If your competition shows up in a team way where you like to be part of a team that wins and you're okay with other people coming in and out, then look for a team sport and use that competition to help support a team. I mean, if you thought about having, maybe you had really, uh, responsibility and competition, you know, being responsible to a team would be a really big deal and a real motivator to get out and and practice some, you know, physical activity for your health.
0: I think that's so cool. And then then when it's kind of like, how should I be working out? Like, I don't just go into the gym, right? Like not that motivating. But if it's like, yeah, I always like playing soccer. I can find, you know, an over 40 league or something for women. Yeah. And, you know, and actually make time to play and have fun, like, that would be a great way of doing that. I think that's, that's a perfect example for me of seeing how you can take your strengths, like, you know, your end result is you want to exercise more. Okay, let me look at my strengths and figure out a way to make that so that it actually happens you know, Absolutely. at least in the least effortful way. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and it's fun. I mean, you get it's up fun, and you're excited exactly. and you're fun and, and you're yeah. happy versus that. Oh, I told someone, I don't really want to yes. do this. I hate this sport. You know, it's about doing yeah. it your way. So you're more like, and, I,
0: and right? I know I should be going to the gym yeah. you know, like that. Like I should be doing this. Let me use that as a way to beat myself up some more.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And you know, I have relator really high and, and so do you, mm-hmm. and I'm not a fan of, gems I'm very uncomfortable in them because as a relator I have to really bond with someone before I can be vulnerable with them And so for me, a gym is like the scariest place on earth, but there's other people that just can't imagine not going to the gym every day. Yeah,
0: they love it. It's like, yeah, their energy. Yeah. And so for me, I do so much better one-on-one in Pilates with no one else in the studio. Absolutely. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And you can really connect to your instructor and you know, the more times you spend with your instructor, there's probably a good chance the more you're excited to go see that person because that relator is really getting fed for you.
0: And then responsibility is also high for me. And so I feel responsible. I can't let them down. I made that appointment. And yeah. up. So good. Yeah. So good. So who can benefit from knowing their strengths? Like, I mean, probably everybody, but are there people who are more likely to be the people who really should go take this test right away?
1: Yeah. So I do agree that everybody can benefit from this assessment. There's so many different ways you can apply it and use it in your life. I think that people who are willing to do something with it, those are the people that should rush out right now and take the assessment. Because, you know, if it's just going to be another piece of paper that you fold to the side, you know, then that's, you know, nice and fine. You know what your strengths are. But if you're ready to really push yourself and find ways to be a better, you know, leader at work, to be a better spouse, to be a better parent, a better friend, focus on your health, focus on yourself, give back to your community, whatever that is that's important to you, you know, strengths is a way to do it your way.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's so good. So good. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So say you take the test. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, you recommend buying the book and getting the code to take the test first, right? Because otherwise, I think if you just buy the code, you can get the ebook. But if you're someone who likes the actual physical paper book, which Mm -hmm. I am a person who likes that, then you would want to go buy the book, which is StrengthsFinder 2.0, right? Right.
1: Right. So there's multiple books. Basic one is StrengthBinder 2.0, and that's a great book. It'll come with one code, depending on Amazon pricing that about, you know, around those yeah, times at okay. $17. Yeah. But, you know, it has basic information about each strength in the book. There's also strength-based leadership. There's strength-based parenting books. There is strength-based marriage. So again, it depends, you know, what's important to you and which book that might be right for you. And it'll allow you to kind of have a little bit more information as you start to kind of learn about your strengths.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was good, like reading the book. I think I actually got the old version, which is now discover your strengths like that. Mm-hmm. You can't even buy that new anymore. But I thought it was interesting to, you know, it gives you like a little blurb, a little snippet of how that would kind of show up for mm-hmm. you, which was helpful, I think. Okay, that's good. So, so definitely you can do some interpretation of it on your own. But who do you think is the person who should work with a coach, like the person who really is like, okay, it, either I'm not understanding or I want, like you're saying, like, really, I want to apply this now. I want some help and seeing how it all, I think that what's hard in the book is to figure out how it all interrelates. You yes. know, like you're talking about the top 10 being so important to know, but it's not even what they are. It's how they configure together. Right. That's right. Yeah. You know, the,
1: the sum is greater than the parts when it comes yes. to your strength. And mm-hmm. here's a fun fact, the chance of you finding someone else in the world with your same top five in the same orders, one in 33 million.
0: That's so fun. (laughs) I know. We're all super special,
1: which I love. But, you know, that just goes to that combination is so important. Like I said, you know, we were talking about the combination of competition and responsibility. Well, we thought about how do you use those together, but what if you had competition and adaptability? Maybe it looks really different for you. And a coach can help you really understand the combination of your strengths And, you know, we're trained to hear your words, your voices, interpret kind of some of the stuff you're dealing with so that we can help you discover the strengths that could be applied. You know, we do a lot of work with applying strengths to very specific goals, you know, anything in your life. And I think one of the biggest powerful things strengths can do is help you learn how to have better relationships So, you know, once you really understand how your strengths show up, and I know you've had your husband also Mm -hmm. take strengths to help to get to know him better. Not that you don't after all your years of marriage, but (laughs) what happens is, you know, when you understand someone else's strengths along with your own, that thing that annoys you about your spouse now becomes, oh, it's their strength. I need you to dial down your futuristic because I want to focus on the vacation this year and not the vacation we're taking in five years. Instead of getting mad and frustrated, it gives you the ability to, to understand them and gives you some language to share in the home or at work.
0: Mm-hmm, totally. Well, you know, Relator was number one for me, which is, you know, I don't know how you describe it, but I kind of am like thinking about it. Like I do really well one-on-one with people and I really like to get to know people very, very well. Like I would much rather have fewer friends that I connect with on a really deep level than a whole bunch of, a whole slew of people that I know very superficially. And so it's so interestingly when my husband took his, Relator was number one for him as well. Wow, I that's found really that cool. so fascinating. Yeah.
1: And you know, Relator, are very loyal and relators give everything they have to a relationship because they can only have so many of them because they give so much to it. So when they pick someone and they say, Hey, I'm with you, they give so much to that friendship or that partnership. And so you think about two relators coming together. What a beautiful relationship where you're both so deeply committed. But relators get their feelings hurt easily.
0: because if you (laughs) have to manage our thinking. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: you have to manage it because you're giving so much. If you don't get that in return, sometimes you know it can upset you. And you just have to remind yourself, hey, I'm a relator. I know I give 110. That's who I am. And I accept that this person has all these other strengths to bring into this relationship. And so I'm okay with my version of 100% from them Right. and setting those expectations for yourself instead of getting upset.
0: So the other thing that I found really interesting that I just want to throw out here really quickly is I got the Strengths-Based Parenting book and I have not really read the book yet, but I did have Mm -hmm. my 11-year-old son take the assessment, which is shorter. I think at 15 and up, as they say, you can do like the regular test and like 14, what was it like 10 to 14 or something like that is the the kid version. And, you know, there are kind of some emerging interests that he has Mm -hmm. and seeing what his strengths were, I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. So like presence is one for him. And he's been showing some interest in theater and music and things like that. And so I kind of immediately was just like, okay, this totally makes sense why team sports were never something he was super into. Like, that's just not really his thing. And I was really disappointed. I was just more like, I feel like knowing what his strengths are helped me to guide him or support him in what he will be strong at. So like, Achieving was one of his strengths. And, right. uh, you know, with two doctors, right, two achievers, like it's not surprising. But I would say that that we haven't necessarily always seen a bunch of that so far. But what I decided to do this summer for him was to when he when I'm working here, and he's and he's home, I created a whole goal setting kind of Program for him so he's not just like laying around, what should I do all day? You yeah. know, we create specific goals and different things he's going to do and for how long. And this is how you're going to know when you've achieved the goal. And we really quantified it. And so today is our first day of really doing that. And he said to me, This is so great. I love knowing what I'm going to do. And I was oh, just like, see, this is so cool that I know that like he's going to respond well to that or probably will. Yeah. Like this is worth my time and effort where as if he had other strengths, I might've been like, you know, that's probably not going to be a good fit for him. So I think it's like, it's not trying to make him become anybody. It's just more knowing like this would probably be, you know, it gives me some direction, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. So Little I think that's into his really, in, really into his yeah. personality. So,
0: I want to look then into, you know, my strengths then as a parent as well. I haven't quite gotten there yet, but so let's spend some time. So I took the whole test. You and I in the past have spent a little time just chit-chatting about kind of what my top five are a little bit, but you like knowing at least the top 10 and we have purposefully not discussed this because I wanted to have us have this conversation on the podcast. So, so you kind of tell me what you see. All right. (laughs) I feel like I'm having my fortune told. I know. (laughs) Here's my palms. What do you read? (laughs)
1: So um, just to make sure that your listeners know your top five, your number one is relater. Number two is learner. Number three is input. Four, futuristic. And five, responsibility. And so if we focus there on your top five today, you know, we talked a little bit about your relationships, you know, with that relater. At times, do you feel like you're slow to warm up to people? Definitely.
0: Yeah, because yeah, of course. You know, I had to learn the skill of getting people to warm up to me very quickly as a pediatrician, because, mm-hmm. you know, you walk in, they've got this brand new baby, they have no reason to trust you or believe you or, you know, listen to anything you say. And within, you know, 10 to 15 seconds... You need to be able to kind of like hook them, sort of speak, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like over the course of many years of practice, I developed that. But like in a social setting, it's totally different where I feel like sometimes I'm like, gosh, I can be kind of aloof and I don't really want to come across that way, but it sort of is natural. But if I end up kind of striking up a conversation with somebody, I want to talk to them all night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that is just such a typical relator, you know, relators have their friends from junior high and grade school. Do you have a lot of friends that, you know, interesting, that you
0: know, going? I had read that and I'm like, you know, I don't have a ton, but I feel like my friends, like the old friends from the past, mm-hmm. I'm definitely the kind of person, like I can pick up with somebody. We could have not talked for 10 years. We can pick up like we talked yesterday and I am not super like, I need to talk to them all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, but when we do, or we interact, it's just like, yes, this is so fun and so great.
1: Yeah. Well, and those relators, again, they're all about quality versus quantity. So for, sure. for you to have a two hour catch up conversation is more important than a random text, you know, three days a week, because you're not yeah. getting anything out of that. Totally. But, but those, you know, big catch up, like we never dropped off. I've known you forever. And it's like we talked yesterday that really feeds into your relator for sure. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And so you have learner and input, you know, those two are often found together. And they're a lot to manage together. Because not only you're a lot to manage. Yeah. I'll admit I have learner input too. So so I feel for you. But learners obviously we love to learn. And if that is not fed, you can get a little, you know, off your game. You can get distracted. You can get to a place where you're just not excited about what you're doing, your job, or your activities. And then you throw that input right on top of it. Input, they love to collect information. And however that seems to show up, if they like to collect books, if they like to collect data, you know, for those of us who are really data, maybe they have analytical on top of input, they're really collecting a lot of data. And so that learner input combination together is so important to manage because do you ever feel like your brain is just always hungry?
0: That's an interesting, yeah. I, I don't know if I would have used that phrase for it, but I always feel like there's way more that I want to know about than I ever have mm-hmm. time to, you know, find or to, like devote to that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure.
1: yeah. And that's definitely a learner's brain. There's just always something else you can know. The one thing to keep in mind, because with all strengths, we have to manage them, dial them up, dial them down. With learner, if you are so focused on learning, sometimes you can forget to activate. So you spend, you know, those professional students that we all love, you know, and now you have activator in your top 10. So you have that. So you learn and you put in place. But if you didn't have that, it would be something you would want to think about. Make sure that you at some point stop learning and actually apply.
0: Now, one thing that you told me before that I found was so interesting was I, I told you how if I like to learn so much, it was very interesting to me that I didn't particularly like to learn about my continuing medical education that I was supposed to be doing all the time. Like, how come I can't be like desperately hungry to learn more about pediatrics? And you reassured me that it doesn't, a learner doesn't mean you want to learn about everything. You just want to learn about what you're specifically interested in. And that could be like one or two things or maybe more, but it doesn't, it's not like everything in the world you're interested in learning about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's not everything. It's things that are important to you. And some people show up and they're very consistent about what they want to learn out. They just want to be, a, you know, really deep learning on one or two topics. And then there's people who just want to learn a little bit about everything. Mm-hmm. And you have futuristic in there too. So when you thought, like if you were doing your continuous education, did you look at some of the future thoughts of medicine versus past? Did that ever show up and play in?
0: I don't know. That's a good question. I think I was more like thinking in the future, I need to get these points so that I can maintain my <laughs> board eligibility. <laughs> that would be your responsibility. Your <laughs> get this done. I think that's yeah. more what I was thinking, you know, and then activate it, right? Like, well, I better get this done now. And I yeah. oftentimes would try to get it done early because mm-hmm. I just hated having it over my head. I just wanted to get it done. And then I could just, you know, learn more about personal development and other things yeah. that I like to learn about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So you do have to kind of find what you like to learn about. And when you do find those things, check in with yourself. We all get super busy. The days get away from us. And all of a sudden, it's like two months later and you're like, I just don't feel quite right. Like I just feel a little off and then stop and ask if your strengths are being fed. And so that's good. a great way to start to kind of try to rebalance yourself.
0: You know, one thing that I think this, this just dawned on me, like if I watch too much, like just kind of dumb TV, mm-hmm. then I sort of feel like, Oh, like I should be reading a book or something. But if I watch like a documentary that I find very interesting, then I don't feel that way. Right. Cause yeah. I'm still feeding it. I'm still learning. As I'm watching that, that is very interesting. And I tend yeah. to really prefer to read nonfiction, mm-hmm. like a good fiction book. Like I, every now and then I'll read one and I'll enjoy it, but I'll like wish it was real. <laughs> you yeah, know? Absolutely. That's what I, my favorite genre is
1: historic fiction. Cause so I can re- learn a little bit about history and also yeah. kind of have a little bit enjoyment of the story, but yeah, historic fiction. I can't get enough of.
0: That's so cool. Fun. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then you have futuristic and, you know, people with futuristic, they're always making decisions for the long run. You know, everything they do is about whatever that future is for them. They're incredible planners. They've always got, you know, a plan of what the five-year plan is, a 10-year plan, And so they're really great at helping people say, what are we doing today? Because what does that mean for you in six months and five years and and down the road? And I think of you as as a health coach, you know, obviously this is really a big deal. I would assume you use this a lot because all of those decisions we make every day do add up to how our health is managed long term right
0: right exactly like all your thoughts are creating your current results your thoughts from the past are creating your current results so if you want different results in the future you can't keep thinking the same thing and expect a different result That's when people are like, I don't know, this stuff seems kind of strange. I'm like, it's really not because it's playing out your life on a daily basis. You just don't know it, you know. But the other thing in coaching is we really have a big future focus. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about the past, why you think a certain way, what happened to you. It's really more like, why does not matter? It's just that you do think that way. So let's think to the future about, you know, what do you want to create and how can we make that happen? So yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that.
1: Yeah. And one thing I always caution my futuristic people about is to stop and smell the roses. Futuristic Ooh, people yeah. move their bar constantly. And it's great because you're, you know, you're also an activator, an achiever. So it's probably very common for you to go, oh, well, that's great. But now I move my, my goalposts. But when you think of your loved ones around you, sometimes they need to stop and say, hey, look, we did it. Yeah. Uh, I always caution people to look around you and pause when others need to celebrate a success with you.
0: That's actually a really good point. In a book I'd read about that, like, I think it was about Achiever. It said, like, you're always pretty much going to have a baseline, low grade level of discontent. So I was like, okay, <laughs> good. Okay. <laughs> the idea that like you accomplish a goal, you're happy for a mm-hmm. year two, and then the new, you know, the next new goal is set, and then you're on to working toward that. I think that's, you know, pretty true for me. So I think that's a good point. Like, just, you know, enjoy the success. You know, but then also like within, you know, the kind of coaching that I teach, you know, there's going to be this baseline level of discontent, like that's going to be related to your thinking. And so Mm -hmm. you can change your thinking or you can just accept like there's going to be some discontent and that's okay. Like you can just be okay with that and not make it mean anything besides like I'm someone who's always just trying to move forward to the next goal. You know, it doesn't mean something's wrong with me. It's just how I roll and that's cool too.
1: Yeah. And when you're, you're starting to feel that way, you can stop and say, why am I feeling this way? Oh, you know, my achievers getting a little out of whack, I need to stop I me and make a to do list of things I've already done and still mark them off, whatever it takes to kind of get your achiever back into a managed level, and recognizing where those trigger points are and how they're coming at you.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, I I mean, I don't know, I haven't seen any, you know, like hard data on this, but I would imagine a lot of doctors have Achiever in the top 10, just because, you know, you have to be driven to a certain extent to be able to just get through the whole process. So, you know, how it kind of shows up in your life probably totally varies, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's on most of my listeners' (laughs) top 10.
1: It would be interesting to get a sampling of your listeners and kind of see if we can get some data points on Really would be very
0: similar. interesting. Totally, yeah. totally. So yeah. let's hit some of these next ones because these ones I don't know as much about. Okay.
1: So cheaver, I think we've talked about a yeah. little bit. So intellection, let's pause on that one. Um, intellection love to think and love to ponder, and they take it in in their mind. You're shaking, yeah, you're shaking your head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so tell me what that feels like to you.
0: I mean, well, this is like me. I'm thinking about my clients like all the time. And I did this about my patients too, you know. I'll be like brushing my teeth and I'll be like, "You know what? I need to talk to this client about this one issue. I think if we maybe look at it this way, she's going to get it or whatever." You know, like I'll just be like, "You know, I was thinking about you." And like, yeah. <laughs> and I yeah, I think I spend a lot of time thinking and I think I mean, ultimately I always say I'm an outgoing introvert. I I need a lot of time alone and I need time to think. And if it's too much stuff, I start feeling like I just need to get away from people, which Mm -hmm. might partly be the introversion, but might also partly be the intellection. Like I just need... Some space.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that intellections got to get fed, you know, again, you know, when people with an election, when they have that space and that time to really process, they're at their best. And when they don't get to do that, and their mind is just being forced, you know, especially you because you know, you have woo kind of low. And so if you were in a highly stimulated environment with a ton of people throwing questions at you, run here, go do this, meet this person, it wouldn't be friendly to your intellection, you would be like, I need to calm, and I need to think about things.
0: I think that was hard for me when I was in practice, because that what you were first describing is a day in a pediatric busy practice, right? You're just running, 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 you like, you know, hit the ground, like you walk in the door, and you're going, 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 going. Mm -hmm. And then for me, my home is a half a block from my old office. So I didn't even get a drive to anything. And so sometimes I would even like, even though I knew family was waiting for me, I would just hang out in the office alone for a few minutes maybe a little longer than a few minutes, because I just like needed to not talk to people for a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So, so I I feel like some of this, knowing this about myself is like, of course, I struggle, like, it gives me so much more compassion for myself. You know, if you have like relator learner and input, right, and like in election, seeing 25 patients in a day does not really contribute to that. And so, you know, had I known that, maybe I would be able to set something up. But, like, I even think if I ever went back to medicine, like, doing urgent care was probably the worst thing for me, right? Like, Mm -hmm. all new people, short amount of time, hurry, hurry, hurry. Like, that's not going to be a strength. Now, for someone else, they, like, that's their zone of genius, right? They're just in their absolute best there. So I think it can be really helpful to even know if you're someone who's thinking like, do I want to do something? I'm not really sure. If I wanted to change this or do a fellowship or just try to find a different practice model, what would work best for me? Like if you know your strengths, it will become a lot clearer for you, I think.
1: Yeah. And that's a great conversation for a strength coach because you you know you can go through what what makes you happy and what makes you feel strong and intelligent and where you're helping and you're making a difference and then take the time to really look at the needs of different kinds of practices and try to then match those up so that you are the most successful you can be and you know when you're happy at work, your stress goes down, your family life's better. And ultimately your health is better too.
0: And I I just think that for so many physicians in general, we just think like, it's just every day is hard. Like every day is super Mm -hmm. stressful. You're dealing with all these people, like the OR staff isn't going to have stuff set up for you. Right. You're going to have to be mad at everybody. You're going to have to be (laughs) short, you know, like clinics going to run behind. Like, you know, it's just, it's just sort of this idea of like, it's going to be a struggle. Mm -hmm. Like what if It didn't have to be that much of a struggle every day. (laughs) If that were possible, would you want that? Like, sounds good to me. You know, know. that's amazing. Yeah,
1: I think of a practice and all those people moving and all those people doing it. What if everyone in the office understood their strengths What if everyone in the office appreciated each other and they assigned goals, tasks, patients, everything they did was based on the strengths of everyone working in that office. And then even taking it even further and, you know, really understanding when a new patient calls in, what kind of time do they want to spend? You know, do they need a lot of information? And then how would you manage that and partner back up with the right doctor for them based on strengths? You know, if you had someone come in and be like, "All right, in three minutes, I need you to solve all my health crisis. I don't really want to know. Just make it go away." Probably <laughs> not the right, probably not the right patient for you, but it right. could be for someone else. Yeah. And totally. so you know, you just think of these environments with so much going on, and you're right. It, it doesn't have to be hard.
0: Yeah, that's so great. So my next one, I think, is harmony, right? Yes. So
1: harmonies are typical, not typically, but I always affectionately call them the middle child. I don't know where you are. I'm actually and, the
0: youngest of two, so. So you're the
1: youngest of the two. Okay. People with harmony have a beautiful ability to bring people together for a common good, a common goal.
0: Okay. Okay. Do you ever feel like you're doing that? Probably in the family. (laughs) Like, like for instance, my my middle son just learned to ride his bike. And so this weekend, it was kind of like, okay, come on, everybody. Like, let's go. He needs to practice. What can you do during that time? What can you do during that time? Like, let's all bring it together so everyone's having a good time. And this particular kid practices riding his bike like he needs to do without us having to split up.
1: Yeah. And when there is, you know, a group of people having a hard time getting along, it doesn't feel good to someone with harmony. And so they will naturally go out and try to fix it.
0: I think I can see that. I think early on in my practice, I kind of, you know, saw like, oh, there's a problem here. And these people aren't getting along. And I kind of thought it was my responsibility to help fix that. And then I was Mm -hmm you know, made aware that that was not my responsibility.
1: (laughs) So here we hear your harmony and your responsibility coming together because people with responsibility sometimes take on others' responsibilities. And so Mm -hmm. that's a great way how that showed up for you.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's good to know though. You know, and it doesn't mean that it's something I have to seek out. Like I need to be someone who's like the, you know, mediator for something. But if it's something that people aren't getting along, I think, you know what I think I'm good at, which... I think I always kind of attribute it to my, my undergraduate degrees in engineering. And I just feel like what I got out of that is how to problem solve. Like what I know how to do as how to think and come up with solutions, but that's kind of harmony then too, right? It's like intellectual an election and in harmony. Like let's think about what's going on and let's figure out a way that this works for everybody. And I feel like I do that in my coaching practice too, where it's like everybody's getting their own food plan. We're going to figure out there's definitely got to be a solution that works for you and your life and your body and your family and you know your job and we're gonna figure it out you know and I think that's probably part of it
1: yeah absolutely it is and and bringing those people together and I know you do group coaching which probably really feeds into that harmony and bringing people together for Mm -hmm. a common goal and a common reason and celebrating you know the group's wins and and having those people do something together Awesome.
0: So fun. Okay. So let's talk. The last two are activator
1: and arranger. So you have activator and achiever, and that's like one of the things I'm always so envious of. And so activators love to start. Achievers love to finish. So when you have both, you are starting and finishing all day long. (laughs) That's why I'm always jealous of that because I have neither. (laughs) Um, I have lots of learner. I'm going to learn. But then you have a ranger coming in there. And I just heard a lot of your ranger in you when you were talking about the kids and the bike and all that stuff. So people with a ranger, they are at their best when there's probably a little too much going on.
0: Oh, that's good to know. (laughs) I think that's probably too much going on. Most of the time. (laughs) Most of the time,
1: yeah. And so, arrangers, you know, they are their best when their calendar is full, when they're really hyper focused. And I think about this in managing your health, you know, and and putting together with someone with higher ranger, really saying, okay, I can fit this in here you know, here's when I'm eating and putting that meal plan inside their calendar. You know, they really like to have a lot going on, but have it very focused. You know, they're the people who have a task list started on a Saturday morning because they're going to get this done, that done. Their brain needs a lot of activity. They are the person who reads a book and watches TV at the same time. They are at their best when their brain is busy.
0: You know, I think that that is probably true for me, because people have kind of said to me, like, you don't have to work so hard, you know, you're not in practice anymore. And I'm like, no, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) It feels best to be doing that. Like, I don't want to just sit around unless I'm learning. I can exactly fine yeah, <laughs> so let's actually just scroll down a little and talk a little bit about like my weaknesses and how those can show up. so let's talk about what woo is because I think that's a kind of a term that we kind of know what it is, but it's very low for me. It's second from the bottom,
1: yeah, so people with a lot of woo, they love to be in a crowd of people. You know, if I said to someone with woo, hey, I need you to go to this conference. I need you to meet as many people as you can go out there, learn about them. A woo person would be like so excited. You have no woo, a room of a hundred people, and I tell you you need to go meet 50 of them. How does that make you feel? Not good.
0: <laughs> Not good. I'm like, <laughs> can I do too? <laughs>
1: yeah. I'll find one person and stay in the corner and talk to them all night. Right, you exactly. Really get to know them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, putting yourself in situations for your business or with your family where it's a kind of a woo situation where there's gonna be a lot of people, a lot of newness a lot of, you know, meet and greets, it will be difficult for you. It won't come natural. Now, it doesn't mean you can't do it, but it just says, hey, I'm driving to this event. I know it's not going to be the thing I want. And instead of thinking, gosh, I hate it because someone so always does so good and they're running around the room, don't get upset because you can't do it. Go, okay, I'm embracing this. And what I'm going to do is I'm an achiever. I'm going to give myself a goal. I'm going to meet yeah. 10 new people tonight.
0: Yeah. I think that's so good, right? Because what we do so much as we compare, you know, like I would look at other physicians in my practice and be like, look how they do that. I probably should be totally doing that too. And, and, you know, a, actually a friend who was also a patient one time said to me, she was just like, you know what though? Your people come to see you. We come to see you because we like you and we like your style. Like, don't stop trying to be like somebody else. Their people go see them because they like them. Like, and I was like, okay, you're right. I'm going to stop trying to be like someone else. That, that doesn't mean I don't try to improve and evolve and become, mm-hmm. you know, better at what I do, but kind of keeping my eyes in my own lane is the way I think about it. You know, yeah. I don't have to, I can be distracted by like, oh, look at her, like with the woo thing, look at her, I'll be able to, you know, make all these connections, You know, like I can never make woo a high strength for me. Like you said, like I can go out, I can make myself do it, but I'm never going to be like, that was amazing. It was so fun. I'll be like, wow, I need a nap. (laughs) like,
1: (laughs) I need to go in a dark room. I need to think about everyone I met and process them and and kind of figure it out. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I have a really good friend who has woo in her top 10 or in her top five. I have it in my bottom five. And so we have a networking company together. And so it's interesting how we both approach it so differently. And thank goodness, because if we were both trying to woo the room, it would be overwhelming. Right. And woos are attracted to woos. And I'm really good at that person who seems like off to their side and kind of quiet. And I'm the right person to go to get that person where my friends would have been like, whoa.
0: <laughs> Way too much for them. And they're yeah. like, oh
1: my gosh. Yeah. But we're yeah. very purposeful when we do events together about our strengths and how we leverage those. And, and we go into those events knowing exactly whose strengths do and what and why. And that's how we execute.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Talk to me about adaptability being low. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, and that's okay. You know, we all embrace the things that are low. So people with a high ability to adapt, they really live in the moment. So it's really kind of counter to your futuristic, mm. where they handle at the moment what's going on, they can make quick decisions about it, they can appreciate it, they can roll with the punches, they're great for change management, but they make decisions kind of in the moment again you make very futuristic decisions so it's kind of you know an opposite to you but if you have someone in your life whether in your family or friend or in your business that has adaptability it's a great because you guys are can really play off of each other where if there's like all of a sudden a crisis out of nowhere and you have your futuristic plan, that person with adaptability can help you kind of get back on track.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Awesome. So, the one other one that I wanted to discuss with you, which I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I'm a doctor, and empathy is in the bottom. So, empathy is sixth from the bottom for me. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, let's just talk about it because it can't just be the only doctor with the low. So tell me about that. That doesn't like you, you told me that doesn't mean I'm not an empathic person. Correct. <laughs> tell me what that means to have that. Yeah. So people with a strong sense of
1: empathy, they really take on and feel the emotions of others. It's a beautiful strength where they can just say hi to a friend and they know instantly how that friend feels their emotions can go up and down with other people's emotions. They're great at really kind of meeting someone on their emotional level at that time. So there's a lot of really great things that people with high empathy bring to the table. Now, you don't bring that to the table and that's okay because you show that empathetic side in in different ways. You know, you're a relator. So, you know, once you're connected, you probably if a friend needs something, you're probably more like, what can I do? Because you've got that achiever in you. Mm-hmm. Like, I, how can I'm I help you? Yeah. <laughs> how can I help you fix your problem? Let me fix yeah. it for you. <laughs> Versus someone with empathy may said, and be that person who holds your hand and cries with you. And we need different types of people to connect with us when we're emotional. And, you know, you just connect and show your empathy in a different way. It's not the definition of empathy in this. And the other thing, because there's a lot of people out there with empathy, it's a very common strength, is They hold on to stuff. So if they have a conversation, they'll think about it for a longer period of time. The other person's like, I don't even remember that conversation. But someone with empathy still thinks about the words they chose. Maybe they should have said it different. I hope they're not mad at me. And especially when you're you're working with young adults with a high sense of empathy and really learning to navigate relationships and school and parents and friends, young adult has empathy pretty high. Like, you know, it's something you really want to recognize and help them learn how to manage. It's beautiful, beautiful strength, but it is one that I really encourage people to
0: manage. Okay. All right, that's, yeah, I find that. So I'm like, oh my God, here's the doctor who has no empathy.
1: empathy. (laughs) (laughs) I'll share a little secret. I'm the coach
0: with no empathy. empathy. But you know what? So I think though that from a coaching perspective, at least the kind of coaching that I do, this actually makes me a better coach because like you said, the person with high empathy is a person who's holding their hand and like really feeling their emotions. It's really important in the kind of coaching that I do that you don't take on their emotions. We call that holding the space. That you are able to be the neutral, you know, observer of what's going on so that the client can have, like, let everything out and there's no reaction from you. You're not feeding into it. You're not agreeing. You're not telling them you're sorry. You're just like, look, I've got you. I've got me and I've got you. So you just, let you know, do what you need to do here. And that makes the coaching process so much more powerful. So I'm kind of like, well, you know, it's all working out perfectly. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I'm okay with that now.
0: Well, thank you so much for going through this with me and for the listeners to kind of get a sense of what it is that you do with this information and how you see it playing out. So if somebody were interested in working with you, number one, they need to do the test. Yes. The assessment. <laughs> yes. Take the assessment. Yeah. Okay. And so you recommend doing that through the StrengthsFinder 2.0 book. You mm-hmm. get the code and then you do that. Now, I think you can just purchase the test online and then you get the ebook. But I don't think it like saves you any money to do it like that. So, yeah, yeah.
1: no, it's $20 to to do the top five. And then you can get the full 30, 34 report, which you have, I think, for maybe 79. The price has recently changed, but it's all on their website.
0: Okay. And then if they're interested in working with you, how would they go about finding you?
1: Yeah. So they can find me at 304coaching.com. And, you know, like I said, I primarily work with small, medium businesses to really bring the strengths to the work environment, to, to improve engagement, improve relationships, and ultimately get the results because, you know, businesses, they've got to get those results in. And then again, I work a ton with individuals really learning their strengths and learning how to apply them in a multitude of ways within their life.
0: I was actually having coffee with a friend, she and her husband own their own physical therapy practice. And I was telling her about this. She's like, Oh, totally. We all have done our strengths. Every new person we hire gets their strengths done. So we can figure out if they're going to be a good fit. And they're actually going to be the person that we need so that their strengths actually, you know, match up with what we're needing. I'm like, you guys are amazing. How did I not know? (laughs) So I would imagine you could do something similar. Like if there's, you know, a practice like that's privately owned, or even like a hospital you know, system, you could come in and help everybody to figure that out. I feel like in the corporate setting, that's a little bit more kind of accepted, like maybe through HR and that kind of thing. Like, I feel like a friend of ours who is an HR person for a local grocery store, he was talking, like very much talking about, like, we got to know what your strengths are so we can figure out how you can help us. And I don't think that that is really happening a lot in the medical healthcare front, but well, it should be.
1: <laughs> I agree. It should be. I think that everyone, you know, what a powerful world if all of us understood what we were best at, we embraced it, and not only our own strengths, but we really started to embrace and respect the strengths of others. I just really feel like the amount of disagreements or frustrations, you know, all those things in life could really come down if we learn how to accept our own strengths and the strengths of others
0: awesome good and so if people have done the assessment then they can even set up a free call with you to kind of get a little more information about their strengths and hear more about what you have to offer as a coach
1: right yeah absolutely yeah so once they've taken their their strength assessment if they get their themes reach out i'd love to set up a 30 minute quick call we'll go through mostly usually the top 5 and start to learn how do they show up in that person and then that allows you to start doing the good work and that's you know applying them to your day
0: to day life yeah Awesome. Thank you, Jennifer, so much. This was so great. Thank you. It was so much fun. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for
1: joining us on Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Now take the next step and go to KatrinaUbelMD.com to download just what you need. Join us again next week for more support to keep you in control and on the path to freedom around food.